Welcome to Hormone Health Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Hartman and Chloe Sheehan. This podcast is an extension of Hormone Health Studio, which is our naturopathic clinic based here in Newcastle and online. We're just two naturopaths who love a laugh, coffee, croissants, and conversations about real people with real health concerns. Nothing's off limits. We're here to educate you on what's happening in your body, share emerging research, and debunk buried health misconceptions. So sit back and let us do the talking. This episode, we are talking all about common vaginal concerns, common vaginal concerns that we see here in clinic or um, that may be commonly experienced uh, by women all across different ages. Can we go straight in to say vagina without saying some sort of trigger warning or like language warning? Like, do people do that or do they just come straight out and go, hey, how's your vaginal microbiome? Oh, well, I, I feel like I say it so often that I don't. Yeah, it's like second language. Like on Instagram, people like put the A as an at symbol or something. No, Why that's that? because um, porn, I think. <laughs> you know, like just, it's like... Just so you can find us. No, so it's like it's, people are like, you know, vagina might be related to porn. So it's like if it comes up, then they'll put you into that category and maybe like shadow ban you. Uh, I'd be, okay. I would have been shadow banned years ago. Not because of using vagina, that word. Anus. <laughs> Get it out of there. <laughs> uh, can I tell you a funny story before we I'd talk about this? I'd love to this? know this segue. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, not, it's not a smooth transition. But yesterday, I, we got home from preschool and we're in the middle of toilet training. And so Otto will do wee's in the toilet, no problem. But poos are a little bit tricky for him. He's scared. Anyway, fair enough. It's big and scary, I suppose. Can be. Like, we've got a little potty. He's not interested in that. But anyway... He, and so we've been bribing because you know that that's my tactic. And so it, anytime he asks for something like a chainsaw or a loud mower, because he has two mowers, but they're not loud, um, or a workbench or a drill. Get that boy a trade. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, mate, I'll set you up an ABN. How does that sound? <laughs> Um, but anyway, anytime he asks for something like that, I said, yeah, mate, no problem. As soon as you start doing poos in the toilet... We can, we can do all of the above. And he's like, okay. And anyway, so yesterday we got home from preschool and he goes, I need to do a poo and then get a workbench. And my brother was over <laughs> and he laughed. He was like, what did he just say? And I was like, because I had the straightest face thinking, okay, well, like, yeah, you know, that was, the, that was the deal. You do a poo, you get a workbench. And so anyway, he went to sit on the toilet and the poo wouldn't come out, he said. Um, and so he got off. It, like He had the saddest face, the poor thing. Yeah, because he's not getting a workbench. He didn't give him much time, though. I think I need to do a bit of education, a bit of drawing about what's actually happening. Mm. Um, anyway, so that's our update with toilet training. Otto is three and three months. He says it's three and a half, but he's three and three months. Um, and I thought we would be there by now. But honestly, like whether you're three and three and a half, like I sometimes still feel like, you know, I have to toilet train myself. It's like a constant thing. Like if you get out of a routine or there's so many different things that impact so or true, even for kids, if they get constipated and then it causes them pain, then there's going to be that pain yes. association. And um, yeah, it's complex. It is complex. And now that he's in undies, 
And he doesn't have accidents in his undies, except he does poo in his undies, which is a little bit inconvenient. But I hope Otto's not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> what? No, he's got a trade now. Oh, but I suppose, I don't know, maybe tradies listen to podcasts on site. But he, um, if he does do a poo in his nappy or undies, we flush it down the toilet. Yeah, like a goldfish. Like a goldfish. And he says, do I get my chainsaw now? No, he's reading the system. <laughs> he is. I was like, mate, you're close, but you're not that close. <laughs> One step. Anyway, enough about poo and toilet training. Let's talk about the vaginal microbiome. Can you share with our listeners what are some of the common vaginal concerns that we see at Hormone Health Studio? So I think they're common not only in Hormone Health Studio, but they're going to be common for a lot of other people to experience. You know, the first one is thrush or an overgrowth of candida Um, and then we also get clients who come in with recurrent bv or bacterial vaginosis you know common um, or recurrent utis as well Uh, vaginal dryness vaginal pain um, cervicitis which is inflammation of the cervix Um, also even complications from stis such as like herpes flares um, herpes simplex 2 and also HPV, which is the human papillomavirus. So we'll probably talk about those and how they differ. But, you know, there's lots of good treatment for these acute symptoms. But what happens is that when they start to reoccur and they become either monthly or they're happening, you know, several times in a year, that's usually when we start to see clients because, you know, you get about a thrush and it's like, okay, you do what you need to do and then Mm. hopefully it clears. But then if it's coming back, it's like, okay, why? And then that's really what we sort of more work more with um, for these clients where it's just back again and it's wreaking havoc for them you know one of the things about thrush that I often ask people is is it cyclic and they're like oh I don't know I didn't think about that because you don't often think that a symptom like thrush like itching or burning or discharge could be related to your hormones you kind of think about it as something different Mm. but there's a big hormonal link between thrush in particular and parts of your cycle because thrush loves estrogen so whenever estrogen fluctuates you can expect flare-ups of thrush yeah and so if we're talking about thrush um, it's going to typically be defined as an overgrowth of a fungal uh, species called candida and there's lots of different types of candida eight yeah but the one that we most see is the candida albicans Um, but candida can thrive in a normal vaginal ph it doesn't necessarily need a change in ph but it Candida is is one of those um, fungies that is commensal within the vagina and in the gut. It's when it becomes overgrown does it then cause symptoms. And some common symptoms that somebody might get when they are experiencing over um, a thrush um, flare up would be that sort of cottage cheese like discharge. Uh, it would be burning either around the vulva. Um, or even around the vaginal opening or in the vagina. And it can even be a burning upon urination as well. Mm, That's a big one. Yeah, and these can be exacerbated um, after intercourse. It can be exacerbated, you know, around, like Georgie, you were saying, around the menstrual cycle, Um, so many different factors after using a tampon, um, lots of things. 
So we've spoken about some symptoms to look out for, not necessarily just for candida, but whenever there might be something going on with the vaginal microbiome. Can we talk about the common causes of vaginal problems? Yeah, so when we're sort of thinking about what influences the vagina and the vaginal microbiome um you know in our gut we we understand that our gut has a massive diversity of different different bacteria however in the vagina we want it to be mostly a a species called the lactobacillus species and so the lactobacillus species they are acid producing they produce acid which helps the vagina remain in a really tight ph of 3.8 to 4.5 And so if you have a reduction in that lactobacillus species, your ability to create that acid and keep that pH nice and balanced is diminished. And that means that if that pH is either too low or too high, other things can thrive. It's sort of like, imagine it almost like a a pool. You want to keep that pool in the right sort of chemical balance so that it doesn't grow algae or that you know can i tell you a funny story yeah go on the other weekend i was at my auntie and uncle's place they don't listen to this so it doesn't matter um and otto otto and Rumi were swimming in the pool with supervision and my uncle comes over and he goes oh how's the water and i said yeah it's great he goes oh good it was full of mold yesterday so i just put extra chlorine you're like, Rumi's eyes are like yeah. bright like the devil. But so I said, were my children the test of whether you put the right amount of chlorine in? It was funny. He just yeah. like, you know, went about his day. And so when that pH is shifted, that's when we can experience symptom change. So we need to think, what are some other factors that impact our vaginal pH? And we think of the three S's, sex, semen, and soap. Soap, exactly. I knew. I knew there was another one. Um, and so semen has a pH of around seven, maybe even higher, um, which is going to be quite neutral, uh, sort of like milk, whereas the vagina needs to be almost like the acidity of like a tomato. Um, don't ask me how I remember yeah, this. I okay. just know. I'm not even shocked that you yeah. spat something out like that. Um, and so when, you know. So basically a tomato soup. <laughs> oh, Georgia. keep going keep going sorry and so if your vagina is dealing with a common influence of semen changes that can sort of shift that ph balance there um and so you know i saw a really funny meme a while ago where it was like sis is he really worth changing your ph for (laughs) and it's like i'm married to him so (laughs) Yeah, but it's not even um, males, right? Like any type of sexual interaction can affect the vaginal microbiome. It's so interesting. Well, there's three S's and then there should be a B, B for blood. Blood also has a pretty neutral pH as well. And so it's common that we do find some clients get a flare-up of symptoms after, say, a heavy menstrual bleed um, because then that the vagina doesn't have the ability to sort of switch back its pH. And so, yeah, soap is another thing as well. Um, we want to really support that environment and not mess with it too much yeah so wash yourself with water Mm. not often what you're told no get rid of honestly if you have femme fresh at home chuck it in the bin yes totally great and some other causes though that can affect 
some other factors that can affect the vagina microbiome. Things like smoking and alcohol mm-hmm. like play a big role. Yeah, your your vagina is also influenced by your immune system and smoking can impact your immune system. Um, also having different sexual partners as well um, can impact your immune system. Um, and, and people forget that HPV is a very common um, a very common STI um, can be influenced about how how quick you pass it. Most people will pass that virus within sort of two one to two years. But if you're not, then you need to think what's going on with that environment. Why is my immune system not clearing this as adequately as possible? I've seen a lot of research around exercise supporting the gut microbiome. I wonder. I'm sure it hasn't been done yet I'm not sure if anyone's asking the question of whether their exercise is influencing their vagina microbiome but I'd want to know yeah I hope it's not because <laughs> I don't do much your pH would be shot <laughs> sis but also hormones um, what we learned uh, recently was that the vagina itself remembering that the vagina when we're talking about it as an organ is the tubular canal that open that is the opening of Um, the female reproductive system into the uterus that has around 40 layers of epithelial cells and you you need to create those that layers through adequate estrogen and so especially for our postpartum clients and Mm. also for our perimenopausal menopausal clients they can experience low estrogen vaginal symptoms Mm. yeah so and by postpartum you also mean breastfeeding yeah 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 it's so interesting maybe let's talk a bit about you know what are some common things people experience in terms of discharge and what that might be like often I'm asked and people get nervous asking because it's such like an intimate question and they think I don't know if this is normal or not um but you know you can experience white color discharge you could experience gray like there's different types of colors of discharge I don't know if our listeners have ever paid much notice but Can you tell us a bit about the different colours and what they might mean? It's basically like vagina snot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you caught me off guard there. Sorry, keep going with your vagina snot. Snot, snot, (laughs) And so, you know, we're aware of, like, what what comes out of our nose and it's like oh you know i must have hay fever because of this or Mm. it's just a way in which your nose can clear and so we need to think about the same way for the vagina um when we when somebody has bacterial vaginosis what somebody may experience is gray watery gushy vaginal discharge with typically sort of like a fishy malodorous smell and that's because that ph is more is becoming more alkaline and so you have this anaerobic bacteria um, which then can start to change that and cause an imbalance in that ph okay so that's bv bacterial vaginosis or you know signs of anyway thrush you spoke about being like a cottage cheese it can be almost like a bit yellowy um but i think you know what's normal discharge normal discharge is going to range especially if you're not on any hormonal contraceptive medication Mm. depending on your menstrual cycle normal uh, vaginal discharge can be tacky almost like clag glue it can be a bit acidic but as your estrogen starts to rise it can become more stretchy more water-like 
more sort of like egg white consistency. Color can really change, but I think what's important to note is pay attention to what your normal discharge is and anything outside of that, question it. And at different points of your cycle, like if you're noticing discharge when you are also ovulating, like if that's ovulatory discharge and you're fairly confident with that, then great. What happens at other points in your cycle? And um, also for people, they may just be like, okay, well, I've come off the pill and now I'm getting discharge. Mm. Yes, because you're ovulating. Um, But, you know, having a good understanding of your normal and then comparing that, because also as well in in the cases like we were talking about with low estrogen, you may not even be creating um, that vaginal discharge, uh, which means that, you know, there's more of a drier environment. And so let's talk about some treatment mm-hmm. what like what do we do in clinic for our clients that present with vaginal concerns so when we have some clients come in and they sort of tell us that they experience some symptoms the biggest thing we do is take a detailed case history when did it start when is it the worst when does it get better what are some influences that either make it better or worse Um, What we can also do as well is we can get our clients to track the pH of their vagina. And so it's sort of like as if if you've done like a urinary test before, it can detect the the pH of the vagina. Typically, we do that over the course of 30 days, um, especially if this is a recurrent symptom. And then we will ask the influence of hormonal changes around their menstrual cycle, understanding what their menstrual cycle is like, um, asking again, does it get better before or after the period, those sorts of questions. Then what we'll do as well is depending on the symptoms, um, we, if it's say a one-off and it's quite painful and quite irritated, most likely you'll go to your doctor to get a swab done where they can do a swab then and there they can detect you know is it candida is it bv Um, or maybe you might need to do a urine sort of a urine test but if it's more chronic in nature that's when we can really utilize the vaginal microbiome test yes I'm obsessed with this. Yeah, it's such a good test. And I think um, it's it's something that hasn't been around for as long, but it gives us such a good insight into opportunistic bacteria, fungal overgrowth, um, beneficial bacteria in the vagina. That's what I like the most about it is it gives a complete breakdown of of your vaginal microbiome. So not just if there's anything opportunistic there that could be causing havoc, but how much beneficial stuff you've got going on. And what I think is interesting is that we all have, well, women, females. There's penile microbiomes. Well, I was going to say um, we have one or two, and probably it's probably true for everyone, we have one or two dominant species. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so once we can understand what your dominant species is, when we go to support the vaginal microbiome, we can be very therapeutic in our approach because we're not just giving you an over-the-counter probiotic and you're putting it in there. Oh, <laughs> well, you're not. Way to sell it. <laughs> well, I don't know whether you offer that service. We certainly do not at Hormone Health Studio. Um, and, you know, this conversation that we're having, it's not just, oh, yeah, we're interested in it. Like, let's just sort of talk, talk about that. There's so much more research coming out about the benefit of of a strong 
beneficial yes. microbiome in fertility, conception, prevention of miscarriage, so IVF many things. Success. IVF the, success. The research around IVF is really interesting. I think it, this is going to be like the new black. Like, yeah, the new adrenal glands. Yeah. <laughs> The new adrenal fatigue. Yes. The new yes. leaky gut. Yes, the new leaky gut. Leaky. <laughs> <laughs> leaky. <laughs> the leaky vagina. Um, some other things that we're talking about as well is, you know, if you are a prospective client with vaginal concerns and you come into the clinic, of course we're going to ask about sexual history as well because Mm -hmm. anything that's entering into there or around there is going to have an influence. Um, We're not here to judge. We don't care what you do. We just purely want to know in terms of, you know, if we're asking about sexual partners, we're just trying to get an understanding of what is influencing your vagina. All the factors that might be contributing and then that way you can come up with a really streamlined treatment plan to support you and that's the thing if you experience symptoms and you have multiple sexual partners it's not to say that you have to stop doing whatever you're doing it's just let's figure out what's Mm. going on here and then prophylactically you can have a plan to support your vagina microbiome and overcome the symptoms another s should be saliva because what's important is that we're not just talking about you know p and v a male female sort of um into intimacy here it can be anything any fluids yeah. any interaction um that actually fun fact that's also why they say not to use saliva as a lubricant when you're trying to conceive because it can affect the ph which then can affect i essentially want to say kill sperm mm. but will affect the ability of sperm to reach the egg to fertilize it interesting that is interesting yeah, it doesn't sound very relaxing. No, this no. whole conversation. I, don't, I wonder if anyone's listened to this whole thing like, or whether they're like, whoa, I don't want to hear about all those toilet training and <laughs> stopped right, right like, at the start. vagina is important. <laughs> Leaky batch. <laughs> um, and then we need to consider post-treatment as well in terms of how do we stop this pattern of reoccurrence, but also considering your previous health history have you had any testing done before has this come up before so you know we are thorough we totally empathize with um, our clients who experience this either each month or every sort of second month so don't you don't have to put up with it this is something that you can get further support with there's more information out there and we as you can probably hear we love talking about it yeah i think what we'll do with this episode too is we'll post on instagram maybe a graphic on the different colors of discharge and what that might mean so that you can save that if ever you notice changes throughout your cycle. And then that way you'll have the information on hand. A bingo of like what symptoms you have. Like, Can we make it into like an advent calendar? Yeah. (laughs) Next year. 12 days of vaginal microbiome. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, leave us a review and follow us on socials. We'd love to hear from you.